Hi there. Welcome to the Houghton Baptist Podcast. Today, special guest Bill Tucker will be discussing the subject of prayer. And we all need to pray. What time is it? It's time to pray. Afterwards, check out our website, HoughtonBaptist.org. A lot of information there and some information about game day coming up next week on September 17th. Check that out. Ought to be interesting. If you're looking for a church or you haven't been to the church in a while, come and check out Houghton Baptist Church. We're on Sharon Avenue in Houghton. Come as you are, Sunday, 10 a.m. We'd love to have you. Enjoy the podcast and have a great day. It's got on, off button. I'm challenged with stuff like that. But what a beautiful picture of the body of Christ and how God has got something for all of us to do. With football season coming upon us, I'm always reminded of those not-so-wonderful days back in junior high and high school when I wasn't good enough to play. Uh, You got to sit on the bench a lot? Well, guess what, folks? You don't have to sit on the bench in this deal. God will use you if you let Him. Sometimes He'll use you when you won't let Him. Uh, but we've all got something to do. And you know the key to it isn't looking ahead towards the success or the failure. You've got no control over that. This is about obedience. It's just about saying, Lord, okay, you've done the greatest thing of all. The least I can do is listen to you and do what I'm supposed to do. We're going to study prayer this morning a little bit. Uh, Pastor David asked me to take this particular topic. Um, He'll be back next week. He's been on vacation somewhat. I'm not sure pastors ever can get away completely. And, um, you know, so I'd ask you to continue to pray for them. Give them another few days of respite and he'll come back with his batteries recharged and I'm looking forward to the series on I Am. But uh, let's pray right now. Father, This has been a a crazy week, week and a half, as far as hurricanes and wildfires and earthquakes, all the military conflicts around the world, and North Korea bubbling like it is right now. But we're thankful that we have this opportunity to gather in fellowship, study, and prayer. May we prepare ourselves by confessing our sins to you, thereby recovering the filling of the Holy Spirit, for you have taught us from your word to worship you in spirit and in truth. We also pray this day for anyone here that does not know you. May today be the day that they accept the work of your Son on the cross and express faith alone and Christ alone. Amen. By way of introduction a little bit, I just want to talk a little bit... uh, You know, as believers in this current church age, we have a dual calling, all of us. For the first time in history, we are all priests. The book of Hebrews talks about that. And we have direct spiritual access to God the Father, no longer needing somebody else to intercede for us. We can go right there. At the same time, we're also ambassadors. We have the opportunity, the responsibility... And the privilege, the privilege to represent our God to the rest of the human race in the war for their souls. Because it is a war. 
We're seeing a lot of manifestations of that right now, but it's been going on for a long time. It will culminate in victory of Jesus Christ and all of us. It will, I promise you. And in this whole deal, prayer is our great spiritual weapon. Through prayer, believers have instant access to God in the throne room of heaven. But to pray effectively, we must turn to God's word today, and we will, to learn how. Because God has established some basic rules or procedures, and I, I almost hesitate to say things like that, because believe me, Christianity is about freedom. It is about freedom. But there are a way to do things, and God has spelled some of them out. So we'll look to his word today so that we can confidently approach that throne room knowing that we can express our gratitude, we can intercede for others, and petition for our own needs. You know, we're ordered to pray without ceasing in order to support those in need, to be able to participate in ministries where maybe we're not on the front lines, and to sustain and deliver this nation. And we sure need it right now. God answers prayers in fantastic ways, but always so that his will and plan be fulfilled. So fasten your seatbelts, because we've got a lot of ground to cover. I uh, took a much, much lengthier study, and because of some time considerations and the fact that I don't want to have too many people nod out on me, I boiled things down to six main points that I'd like to communicate to you today in prayer. And the first one is that God's communication system for us is prayer. While he communicates with man through his word, he has given believers in the Lord Jesus Christ a gracious means of communication with himself, prayer. When the believer prays, he has a direct connection to the throne room. He has the opportunity and privilege to speak to God Expressing his gratitude, interceding for others, petitioning for his own needs. Prayer is the most potent weapon of the spiritual life. And believers must take full advantage of this unparalleled approach to God. In Isaiah 65, and we're going to do a lot of dancing around scripture. Uh, Anybody really wants all this stuff, let me know. I'll give you a copy or email you something on it. But if you try to stay up with this, I think uh, even though I'm technologically challenged, as my wife would say, you're going to have a hard time staying with this. So you, you can look it up later, all right? But in Isaiah 65, 24, it says, It will also come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they're still speaking, I will hear. From eternity past, the omniscience of God knew and had an answer for every prayer that every believer would ever utter during his lifetime, and even ones we haven't uttered yet. Okay? God's omnipotence gives him the absolute ability to hear and answer prayer, but his sovereignty, omniscience, righteousness, and justice, and love determine his answers. And if you want to get into the theology just a second, I see everybody's nodding their head yes. <laughs> the whole point of God is you get the whole deal. You don't, you don't ever pick one attribute of God and try to build a, a truth, a doctrine, try to hang your hat on one thing because God can't be one thing. He's got to meet all those requirements. He can't compromise his justice with his love, etc., etc., etc. So you get the whole package. All that comes to bear on your prayers and the answers. When you understand those attributes and all those 
attributes of divine essence. Prayers will be effective, and we will avoid praying for stuff that is contrary to God's will. Uh, that would be very counterproductive, I believe. So, In Psalm 116, the psalmist says, I love the Lord because He hears my voice and my supplications. Because He has inclined His ear to me, therefore I shall call upon Him as long as I live. Two kinds of prayer are revealed in this psalm. <clears throat> the words, Hear my, here's my voice, refers to everyday routine prayers and supplications, to special, more intense prayers for serious or adverse circumstances. Has anyone in here ever had serious or adverse circumstances? You can raise your hand if you want. Just a couple. The rest of you shortly will. I guarantee you that. I guarantee you that. Your faith will be tried in unimaginable ways. And I don't wish it on you, but I wish you through it by using what God has given you to fight back. I shall call upon him applies a vocal request. However, and this is important, it is not necessary to vocalize a prayer. You can think the prayer. God can read your mind. Isn't that scary at times? Uh, yeah, I think so. But you can think it as well as speak it. Actually, God's not really impressed with most of our speech. Certainly not mine. Certainly not most people I know. But he does read the intents of your heart and your soul. And believe me, he will respond to that. Prayer demands faith, which is believing in his word, knowing that God will hear when the believer calls, and then relaxing while God answers the request. Prayer is an extension of something that I've been taught as faith rest. I spoke on this a few months back, where you mix the promises of God uh, in, in with your prayers, claim them and mix them with faith to generate the tranquility of the soul that it takes to get through some of the tough stuff. Because it'll drive you nuts if you don't. The relationship between prayer and faith rest is revealed in Bible promises. One is in Matthew 21, 22. And all things you ask in prayer, believing by faith, you shall receive. And in Mark 11, 24, Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they shall be granted you. Did you notice the key thing in both of those verses? All of us want to treat this, you know, ask for what we want and we get it as kind of a... a genie in a bottle or some magical trait, when really what it's telling us is if faith has to precede your request. If faith precedes your request, your prayer will be in the will of God, and you're going to see some remarkable things begin to happen. Believing in these two verses, mixed with mixing the promises of God with faith, and praying with confidence that God hears and answers prayer. Once the believer has made his request... Then you turn the matter over to the Lord, and the more hopeless the situation, the more, believer should, the more the believer should respond in faith and in the power of prayer. So the tougher things get, the more we have to let go and let God, as one of the popular phrases goes. Got to let him have it. And that means you let him have it. You don't take it back. Wrestle with him. Uh, I've wrestled with God for a long time. Never won around yet. And you won't either. 
among Christians who are advancing in the spiritual life is an understandable desire to serve him. They might say, I'm grateful for what Jesus Christ did for me on that cross, so I want to be of service. They may want to work in the church, teach children. God bless all those that teach children. Work on a committee, maybe go out and evangelize, and all those are good things. Yet in their aspirations to serve, they frequently overlook prayer as an indispensable full-time ministry in the service of the Lord and the church. Anybody here see the movie uh, just like two years ago, War Room? It's an awesome movie. And the it, it, uh, main character is a little lady who, uh, over a period of many years, developed the ability to pray very, very uh, structured in that she kept track of things. She had cards on the wall, if you remember the movie. And she helped a younger woman, a much younger woman, deal with some really bad stuff going on in her life. And again, if you don't have bad stuff going on now, you, you will. We are none of us immune. When, and, and sometimes it's not our fault. Sometimes it's because we've made a bunch of bad decisions, but sometimes Satan's just coming after you, and he will. Uh, when I was a younger person, I kind of poo-pooed that thought. I'm way past disbelieving that. I've watched it in action. I've watched it in young people. Uh, Cindy and I, some of you know, for a period of years, ministered to teenage girls. In addition to the drama, Satan was after every one of those kids. Probably still is. Some of them have fought back now that they've got some tools and have had some victories, and some of them are still struggling. But it became so real to us watching that happen. It really did. And she can tell you stories of bizarre things that happened. Uh, in fact, if you want, she's written a book on it. You can get it online. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. We're, we're, we got a trip planned to Europe, so the royalties will come in handy. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, unfortunately, prayer is often abused and misused. Uh, this is a surprise, but sometimes we're selfish in what we pray about. Or we try to manipulate God, the master of the universe, who has seen it all. Believe me, he has seen it all. You're not going to pull anything over on him. It's kind of funny to think you can. I, I had a period in my life in, in high school that I was truant occasionally. Okay, more than occasionally. And we had a truant officer... I don't know if they have those in schools anymore. And he's probably passed away, so his name was Batchelor, Steve Batchelor. Pretty nice guy, actually. But I remember going in there one day, because I had been truant, and he said, okay, Tucker, let me hear it. He says, it's always entertaining to hear what you have to say. <laughs> well, he's, he knew there was anything I could say, even if it was true, he wasn't going to believe. All right, just as I try to put one over on that truant officer, don't we all try to put stuff over on God? Don't we... All think we're the ones that can outsmart him. Boy, that, is that foolish or what? So, but it's not designed to bribe or manipulate God. Prayer isn't, isn't even designed to get you out of trouble, although we often pray when that happens. The primary purpose of prayer is to ask according to God's will. Okay. Many of us, the only time we talk to God is when we're in a jam and we want him to bail us out. And then we do something like this. God, you just get me out of this, I will, and you fill in the blank. I will preach for the rest of my life. I will give more to church. I will whatever. Fill in the blank. We all got something we want to try to bribe God with. And that's utterly foolish as well. Um, so, 
The believer truly, in, in, in a, as they mature and grow, goes to the throne of grace and expresses their helplessness in humility and the recognition and orientation to God's grace and total dependence on him. Total dependence. That means total. That means, that means everything, okay? Second of the six points, and it only took us, what, ten minutes to get through the first one. I'll go a little quicker. The mandate to pray. Many of us don't realize that God has ordered us to pray. He has given us many orders in the Scripture if we begin to look at it. And sometimes we think, well, God's too nice. He would never tell me what to do. Well, He does. He does. Anytime you see, especially in the Greek, something that's in the imperative mood, that's an order. That's not a request. That's an order. Uh, give you a good example. Uh, verses about communion or the Lord's table. It says, do this in remembrance of me. He's not asking you to do it. You're being ordered to do it. There's some conditions that you should apply to your life before you do it, but you're not asked to take communion. You're ordered to take communion. Um, and as far as I know here, there's no... No rule that you have to be a church member to take communion. Heaven forbid. Your, your king, your master has said, you do this. Because you're commemorating something that changed the world. Changed the world. In the Old Testament and the New, there are separate commands related to prayer. A direct mandate or command for prayer in Jeremiah 29.12, Then you will call upon me and come to pray to me, and I will listen to you. That's a pretty neat promise, I think. Matthew 7, 7 in the New Testament, and many of you have known this verse, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it will be open unto you. The verse reveals three facets of prayer for all believers. Asking is routine prayer. Seeking is prayer with the concept of divine guidance, or you're looking for the Lord to lead you to do something. And knocking is intense prayer or supplication. I have been in all three modes at different times in my life. I'm sure many of you have. When there was a very, very serious need or something big going on, you bet there's been intense prayer. Then there's another mandate, and this one, we all struggle with this one. In First Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Yeah, you guys have read that before, haven't you? And I'm here to tell you that doesn't mean that you pray every minute of every day, but it does mean to pray with consistency and make, make it a habit of prayer. You know, when you've got a direct line to God, why wouldn't you ask Him His opinion about something before you mess up? Doesn't that make sense? I know men, we're, we're not into reading the instructions first. I get that. I, I'm with you. And I know this. And I'll bet you it's true for you, too. Once I've read the instructions to put together whatever it is I've got to put together for one of my grandkids, usually, I say, well, that's stupid. Why didn't they just say this? You know, they take 27 steps. First step is something like, don't stab yourself with a screwdriver. I mean, how stupid do they think we all are, you know? But I'm sure some lawyer has nailed them somewhere along the line, so that's why that's in there now. But... But the point is, why do we avoid the instructions that God has given us before we get jammed up and then want to run and have him bail us out? Seems kind of silly to me, anyway. So, But again, 
without ceasing is not a command to pray constantly, but consistently. It ought to be something we do daily. It ought to be something that is in our mind to do as we move about our day. I've not been real good at that over the years. I'm better than I was. Uh, just because I know her better than all of you, my wife has been amazing at it. And she's probably going to shoot me later, but that's just the way it is, hon. That's the truth. I'm up here as God is my witness speaking the truth. And it can be translated, that entire verse can be translated, make it a habit of prayer, which is a mandate for prevailing prayer. The word prevailing means frequent or common, widespread or predominant. And prevailing prayer is consistent, daily, spontaneous prayer by which believers can uphold other believers before the throne of grace. Prevailing prayer is the powerful instrument provided by God to meet the needs, adversities, temptations, and dilemmas of life beyond the specific commands and exhortations and truths that the Bible or the believer learns from the Word of God. A lot of stuff we pray about has already been covered. And if we read this book right here, we'd know before we prayed that it's been covered. Pretty good idea once in a while again to read the instructions before you take on life. In many cases, the Bible does not specify a one, two, three answer to a situation in life. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't fit the boxes, right? You've probably experienced some of those too. Cindy and I have. And when a circumstance exists which the Scripture does not specifically address, there is one thing God expects of all of us, and that is to pray to Him, prevailing prayer, to seek His guidance, to seek His will. Uh, and you will, you will be called upon to do that many times. The prevailing prayers of believers bring about developments that no one could dream would happen. And in a few minutes, I'll share a couple of those. You know, in, in battle, for an army to be successful, a barrage of artillery fire is very necessary to support infantry as they move forward, as they advance. History records a lot of battles with a lot of unnecessary deaths when that, that barrage was not provided. One of the glaring weaknesses of the church today is that we don't barrage, use barrage of, of prevailing prayer to go before us in whatever endeavor God has called us to tackle. You know, we think we're great stuff. God's going to use me. i got gifts, right? I mean, these musicians, they're certainly gifted. But I don't think any of them would get up here, let's say, practice a little bit beforehand. Um, so it's, we need a lot of prayer warriors before we go jump into anything. In fact, that may be the most important thing you do with the endeavor because maybe God's going to tell you, no, not now. And sometimes that is very difficult to process and to understand. But His timing has always proven to be perfect. I, if, that, if I have an issue with God on a daily basis, it's timing. He just doesn't seem to get it. I've got a schedule to keep. And, and some of you got the same issue, you know. But guess what's happened after the fact when I can look back on something? His timing was right on every single time. So you think a guy would learn after a while, you know. But I still push. In John fourteen thirteen, as a part of that barrage, it says, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. 
Further on in the book of John, in, in chapter 15, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. So if we get the word of God by faith transferred into our soul, we are abiding in him. And we will be amazed at how our prayers line up with God's will for our lives and for those around us. An author I really have enjoyed over the last 10 years, I highly recommend him for anybody, but especially the men, a guy named John Eldridge. Um, I don't know, it's ever been 15 years ago uh, that he kind of got popular for a while with a book called Wild at Heart. Uh, and it's, it, it's an extraordinary book. I recommend it highly to any, any man or woman, but especially the men. But he wrote a book a couple of years ago about prayer that I found fascinating. It's called Moving Mountains, much like a couple of our songs today talked about moving mountains. And he likens prevailing prayer to chopping down a mighty oak tree with an axe. And that it, it takes a lot of blows from that axe to finally get that oak to fall. It may take many people with many axes a lot of blows to get that oak to fall. And if anybody here has ever hit a hardwood tree with an axe, you know you've got your hands full. First time I did it, I thought I would never survive. I mean, my hands were like that. Um, and that's why they set me up to hit that tree with an axe. It, it definitely no popple, I can tell you that. Item number three, the basic principles of prayer. In order to pray effectively, believer must understand how to pray, and here's some of those rules for doing that. Prayer is actually for believers only. In Galatians 3, it says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And in John, again, But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. The only prayer that a non-believer can utter and have it go anywhere or be effective is the one when they pray to God to save them. When they finally say, Lord, I submit myself, I believe that your son died on the cross for me. That work is plenty. That does it. Faith alone and Christ alone. Second point of that, there's, there's also a protocol in prayer. And it goes like this. We're to direct our prayers to the Father in the name of the Son and in the power of the filling of the Holy Spirit. In Hebrews 7, it tells us that Christ is praying for us at the right hand of the Father. And that's comfort to me that he's got God's ear on my behalf. And I hope it's a comfort to you because he's got your back as well. Romans 8.26 8, and 27 informed us that the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us even when we do not know how to pray under certain circumstances. And I have been in some situations where I didn't know what to pray. But I didn't, I didn't, it didn't stop me from praying. I would just say, Lord, you're going to have to help me on this because I don't, even, I don't have a clue where to start. If you lived in Houston right now with that mess down there or maybe the mess we're going to have in the southeast part of the country in the next day or two, when you look at what happens, where do you start? I mean, just where do you start? Um, I guess the first thing I would probably do down there is thank God I'm still here. And say, Lord, I don't have a clue how we're going to get through this, but I know you'll help us do that. When uh, 1983, uh, our only son died when he was five years old. And I can report to you today, God uh, got us through that. 
I can also tell you that since then, there's nothing that's rattled my cage like that. Nothing. If God can get you through those things, if God can get you through a divorce, if God can get you through a bankruptcy, and he's done all that multiple times. We all know folks that have been in that situation. Do we not think he can handle anything? Of course he can. But Satan likes to do something to believers, which is to isolate them, if at all possible. And so very often, especially us men, I don't know why we do it this way. Maybe it's that self-made man thing or something. We want to just suck into ourselves and get in a cocoon and tell the rest of the world, leave us alone. And that's the worst thing in the world we could do. You know, We need to pull together when we're going through adversity. We need to have the courage, as a couple young men did in my class this morning, so there's a plug for small groups, uh, to share some things that normally you don't share with a lot of people. It was, it was some tough stuff already. I, I applaud them and for having the courage to mention these things. But if you isolate yourself, you are easy pickings for the enemy. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't make his day. In fact, I'm guaranteeing you, when you isolate yourself, he finds a lazy boy wherever he's at and sits down. Because he doesn't have to work on you, you're doing it to yourself. So we've got this protocol to follow, directing the prayer to the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the power of the Spirit. Long prayers should probably be avoided in public. Uh, have you ever gone to a church meal? I know in Baptist churches that's kind of a common thing, to have food. Probably why I wear size medium shirts today. But have you ever been, just, I mean, you see the stuff there, you've had these ladies' great things before, you know what's coming. Maybe you even cheated and got in front of the line. And then the pastor starts. And Ten minutes go by, and fifteen minutes go by, and he doesn't have enough sense to shut up and say amen and let you eat. Long prayers in public are not the way to go. Be short, be succinct, get to the point, and move on. Okay? Now in private, in your private prayer, that's when you should have a little more time to deal with some things. First thing we should all do in private prayer is the part of the, one of the prayers I started with today, which is a prayer of confession, naming our sins to God. And using 1 John 1, 1.9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and righteous or just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because Jesus Christ redeemed us and paid for the sins of the world at the cross, sin does not need to be an issue anymore. It can park you on that bench in that game that you're supposed to be in of your own accord. It's not his idea. This is how you get back in the game. You confess that sin and say, Lord, I did it. The word homo legato in the Greek does not mean you've got to cry tears of repentance at an altar. It doesn't even say you have to feel bad about it, although maybe you do and maybe you should. It says to name it, cite it, state it, own up to it, I did it. I did it. Okay? Have enough guts inside you to say, yep, that was me. I did it. And move on. Another verse in Psalm 66 says, If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Wickedness is just another word for carnality or state of sin. Obviously, it puts you out of fellowship. You lose that filling of the Spirit. You can never lose the indwelling of the Spirit, but the filling of the Spirit will come and go depending on your spiritual life on any given day. 
And you'll see verses in the, in the Bible talking about quenching the Spirit. Well, that's what it's talking about. But again, if you use that confession prayer, you can recover from the carnality. You're forgiven your wrongdoing. You're again filled with the Spirit and restored to fellowship with God. And now you can be back in the game and be used again. Again, not knowing the results, but you're obedient and you're there. You're on the field to play. Unless you're on the field, you're not going to participate in the victory. So, for the believer, the only prayer that, when you're in a state of carnality, the only prayer that's heard is that one. Because without the filling of the Spirit, you can pray a million other things that are worthy things to be prayed for. But again, you must be filled with the Spirit when you pray to God. So remember that one. In, in, in your own private time, get confession out of the way right away. Then the easy one for most of us is Thanksgiving. Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. You know, as tough as things can be sometimes in this life, we all have much to be thankful for at all times. Uh, whenever I'm feeling sorry for myself or I think circumstances in life are unfair um, and I didn't deserve this, you don't have to look too far around you to see someone that's far worse off, suffering far worse than you are. One of the best ways I know of kind of getting out of your spiritual doldrums is get out and serve somebody. I don't care what it is, just go serve somebody. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Everything including, includes being thankful for the bad and the good. Now that's kind of tough sometimes to thank God for the bad stuff. How do you thank God for a city of, what, 8 million people or something under 50 inches of rain? How do you thank God for hurricanes hitting the southeast part of the country right now? Thousands upon thousands will be displaced from their homes for an indefinite period of time. But what we never know about those things is what is God doing with that to reach people? And he does. He reaches the victims, so-called, reaches out to them. Maybe he's trying to get their attention that, you know, pay attention to me. But he also reaches those that want to go help. Moved by compassion to help somebody worse off. Again, serving. Serving. I got some guys who work for me, um, work at a power company. They're going to be going down, probably leave tomorrow. They're supposed to be in South Carolina and pre-staged on Wednesday for what is to come down there. But none of us know for sure what it will be, but more than likely they'll be used. And you know, when I asked the guys, I kind of thought uh, there'd be a few that say, no, no, I don't think so. Every one of them said, yeah, we'll go. Well, we can only send two uh, because we still have to take care of our responsibilities, but they all said yeah. And you know why they said yeah? They said, if we, if we can help, let's go. Let's go. I, you know, I was blown away by that. Um, good men. So you've got to be thankful for the bad and the good. In uh, the perspective of time, you'll usually figure out what God was trying to do with that bad as well as that good, and it'll make perfect sense then. Third thing in your private prayer is intercession. You get the privilege to pray for others, whether it be family, friends, your nation. Obviously, we all have somebody that we know in need of Jesus Christ. 
And while it's okay to pray for their salvation, really the more appropriate prayer is to pray for circumstances which will cause them to seek Him. Sometimes the best way for you to deal with something like that is to just show people what it's like to know Jesus. And if you can't live it and show it, uh, as, as on our video this morning in my class, they're not going to listen to a word you've got to say anyway. If you're not living it, don't even try to talk about it. Sometimes it's helpful to have a list of those you're, you're praying for. Again, my wife is really good at that. Um, and it's, it's neat. We'll review some of her stuff probably a couple times a week now. We turn the TV off and talk to each other once in a while. It's kind of neat. Uh, but she'll check some stuff off and say, hey, that one's done. That one's been at-. And it's amazing because I don't think like that. I, I, you know, I, never, I never revisit something once I've prayed with it. I'm a guy. I get something done, move it out of the way, we move to the next task. Right? That's what we do. She stays with it. She records it. She's got journals from years and years ago that every now and then she'll pull out and read. And we both enjoy that. Because it reinforces our faith. We, we get to see all over again all the crazy things God has done that we didn't think he was going to do. Oh, I'm standing up here in Houghton, Michigan now because God did something crazy. He brought me to Ontonagon, Michigan almost five years ago for a job. Now, I have told people in that town that ever since I got there. And the first thing they say is, you're lying. Well, they say two things. Do you know Jan Tucker? <laughs> Are you related to Jan? And I'm not. I wouldn't mind if I was, but that's the first question. The second thing, no, you're lying. You didn't come here for a job. There aren't any jobs. God sent me up here to a well-paying job, and that's one of the reasons we're standing here today. Other than that, Cindy and I can't figure it out. <laughs> but uh, I'm not fond of winter, although I vowed last week to quit whining about snow after I saw that mess in Houston, and I will. And if, uh, if you catch me whining about snow this winter, you have my permission to take me to task immediately. Regarding believers in intercessory prayer, there's just all kinds of things to pray for. Uh, you know, pray for our pastors. Pray for the people that have the communication gifts. Um, pray for church workers. Oh, gosh, pray for these musicians. What a wonderful blessing they are. And Cindy and I have been in many churches over the years, and this is as good as it gets right here. Um, now, there isn't a one of the musicians here that wouldn't tell you if they were in charge that day, well, we'd do something a little different. And we're that way, aren't we? Don't we sit out there and say, boy, that one's just a little too peppy for me. Now, this is supposed to be church, right? And I'm kind of that way sometimes. I like to hear some of the old stuff done the way it was written. But my goodness, uh, this new stuff's awesome. I watch Mark up here jumping around that keyboard, and I think he forgets he's getting to be an old man. <laughs> and then you got David over here. I mean, gosh, can the guy sing or what? Oh, my goodness. And the rest of them are just as talented. Paul stands over in that corner with that bass and just takes the land down the bass track. No, doesn't want any attention. He's probably embarrassed now. That's, that's okay. That's okay. But the point is, when God gets us all together and we kind of get on the same page, it works out pretty good. It works out pretty good. I, I know that's true. Because there are probably 50 people sitting in this room right now that weren't here the first day I walked in. And it's surely not because of me. I know that. But there's something special going on in this place. I want you to pray for it. Cherish it. 
Work to make it better. Um, keep, keep the whining down to a minimum, if you will. And I know whining when I hear it because I'm good at it. So, <clears throat> Second Chronicles 7.14 And my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive them their sin, and will heal their land. We need to turn to God and humble ourselves and pray and seek prayer, healing for this land of ours. Look at the divisions in this country. It's, it, it, to Cindy and I, it's mind-boggling. What we have seen happen, I'm 63 now. She's a little bit younger. Um, and I did marry up, just so everybody knows. But it, just in our lifetime, what we've seen to happen in our nation culturally has just amazed us, amazed us. And we're frightened. We've got nine grandchildren now. We want to see them grow up in a country where they still can do some things and have some freedom and use their gifts and talents and abilities to go as far as they can go. And this is not looking too good right now. And to those younger than me, I apologize on behalf of my generation that we didn't do a better job. But that can't be your excuse now. You, you need to step up to the plate now and, uh, and pray for this nation. Get to know God. Grow in your faith. Um, it is so important for our kids, our grandkids. Um, we owe them that. Okay? We owe them that. Last thing is you get to pray for your own needs. You get to be a little bit selfish. And uh, we all do that. In Hebrews 4 it says, Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Again, with confidence. We don't have to go in there you know, with our head sagging, our shoulders lowered. We get to go with confidence. And that's because Jesus Christ paid the price for anything we ever messed up and did. So when will we ever learn to live out of the freedom we now have instead of the slavery we used to be in? I've mentioned this before, but in one of the all-time favorite TV shows of all time, Andy Griffith's show, I can tell it's your favorite too, right? But the greatest character in the thing isn't Andy, and it isn't Opie, and it isn't even Barney, although I love Barney. You know who it is? It's, it's the guy that plays the drunk. Right? And what does he do when he's in an episode? He comes in and locks himself up. Hey, Andy, and he grabs the key and he locks himself in a cell so he can dry out. Is that not what we do most every day of our lives? We lock ourselves back up. Let's live out of that freedom. What beautiful song. Freedom. That's where it's at. Last thing I've learned to do, and this again came from John Eldridge, was a prayer of consecration. And he calls it that, otherwise I probably wouldn't use that word. But he uses it in this sense, and I have found this to be very effective and very powerful. And I, it seems so counterintuitive that the first time I read it, I had to go back and read it about six more times. I invite Jesus Christ into my sin and into my wounds. Only by doing that can you get healed from that stuff. And it may not be a one-shot deal. You may have to do this for a long time, depending on how deep the wounds are. But I always thought of my sin with shame and guilt and thinking, you know, he died for it on the cross, let's just, let's just kick it aside. But that stuff still drives part of your life. Uh, another plug for my class, we're, we're studying Goliath must fall. 
And Goliath is those very things in our lives that still imprison us when we've been made free. I still battle that stuff. Some of you are battling that stuff, and you stuffed it just like I did for years. Oh, he died for it. I, I don't have any right to deal with it anymore. It's still running your life. You've got to deal with it. If you really want to know what God wants for you, you want to live the life he's got for you, you want, to, you want somebody to look at you and say, man, I don't know what that guy's got, but I need to talk to him. I need to have him explain this to me. Um, and the last thing, and then I'm going to let you go, is this. And this is something else I've learned recently. We tend to think of God as, as prayer as a one-way conversation. And it certainly is not. So I want to leave you with this. When you're in your private time, when your personal prayer, when you get through with the thanksgiving, the intercession, the petition, all of that, listen. That still small voice may speak to you. Um, I'm not a person that hears God's voice. But I have felt his truth in my heart many times since I started to listen. Critical to listen. He, he may be giving you the key to the kingdom, and you're talking over him. Okay? Turn the volume down. Listen. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you now that we can communicate directly with you, that we are all priests now. We don't need somebody else to intercede for us. But we are too thankful that we have friends, members of our congregation, pastors, and Jesus Christ himself interceding for us. Lord, give us a great day the rest of the day. Again, we pray for all those suffering around the country with all the calamities. And again, want to pray for anybody here who does not know you. Don't go by another day in slavery. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Houghton Baptist Podcast. We appreciate your support. And speaking of support, there's a lot of different ways you can support Houghton Baptist in addition to the traditional way of giving your tithe or check at church. We have online giving on our website at HoughtonBaptist.org. And we also have text giving. If you're interested in text giving, just dial 906-346-1317 and follow the information from there. Easy peasy. If you're looking for a church or you're just not sure what church is all about, why don't you stop by Houghton Baptist Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Be there. Come as you are. We do. Have a great day.